Ready or not, here I come. Hi, and welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts which explores, investigates, and celebrates the world of people who have care or lived experiences. In this, our third series, we talk to a variety of people about the role, experience, and relationships that sons and daughters of fostering families have on the lives of young people who are fostered. Hi everyone, so um, we are here in Cornwall and I'm talking to Julie, who is a foster carer, and to her son, Owen. Hi, welcome everyone. Hi, Olivia. Hello. Hello. Um, Would you like to just start and tell us a little bit about yourselves? Julie, should we start with you? Okay, I'm Julie. I'm married to Stuart and we live at home with Owen, who is 14, and our child. We're also foster carers and we have two teenagers, one girl, one boy. Uh, the boy's been with us just over two years and the girl over a year and a half. Um, originally, we're from Yorkshire, but moved down to Cornwall when Owen was a baby. And Owen, tell us about yourself. I'm 14 and like to surf, very active. like to mountain bike, going through school quite well and uh, aiming to be an aerospace engineer. Fantastic. Um, Julie, can you tell us what made you and your family want to foster? Okay, I've always worked somehow in the care sector. I like to look after other people. Um, I was also in care myself as a child. Um, I was fostered in three different placements and I also went into a children's home at some stage. Um, But it was a case of going from home into being put back home and then going back into care going back home it wasn't placement to placement I kept getting put back home and then getting put back into care so things would improve with your um, birth family at home and then you would go back and stay with them is that right um well I didn't live with my mother I live with my father and I have six siblings my dad had a problem with drink and other substances and violence and yeah he'd he'd sober up They'd take us back and then as soon as he got us back, the drink would start again um, and then we ended up back in care. And so do you think that that was your motivation for wanting to go on to foster yourself as, a, as an adult? Um, maybe having that experience from the inside, so to speak? Yes, it played a big part in it because I understand how a lot of these children feel. Um, I understand the fear and the apprehension of being placed with strangers. Uh, I know what it's like to be ripped out of your family and away from other siblings and separated all over the place. I just wanted to give something back and knowing how it feels, I have a big need in me to help children that feel the same way. And do you remember any um, sons and daughters that you lived with as a as a young person? Lots of them. Um, my foster parents fostered two or three children at and back then, you used to share bedrooms as well. It wasn't like it is now where children have their own rooms or anything like that. You had to share. My foster placements were good experiences, apart from the fact that I got ripped out of them and took back home. I would have gladly stayed there to growing up. Mm-hmm. And can you remember fondly some of the uh, sort of foster brothers and sisters that you might have had? Yes. Um, the first, well, first two I went into didn't have uh any the last one I lived on a farm in Selwich, which is up in the Yorkshire Dales 
um, and they had a girl called Sarah, and we were the same age, um, and we got on really well. It was nice. Do you remember the, the first time your mum told you that you were maybe going to be part of a fostering family? I remember when we first went, so we would go up to Devon. We had to stay in that place for a couple of days. Brixham. Yeah. And, um... Oh, for that, the Skills to Foster weekend. It yeah. was good, yes. Yeah. That, that was all right. And how did you feel about the idea of living with other young people in your home? Uh, I felt like, it, yeah, it was all right because, like, I prefer to help others than myself. I'm more of a selfless type of person. So I thought it, I was doing a good thing, which I am helping those that are in need of a nice caring home. Yeah, lovely. Um... How did the skills to foster prepare you for it? Just told me what it would be like and what to expect and maybe say if someone did something then it would get handled or whatever. Mm -hmm. And were there other young people on the course as well? Uh, yeah, it was one of the two other people. Yeah, so nice to know that you're not on your own, that there's other young people who are stepping up to this. Yeah. This job, yeah. So it's a very unique job that you that you do or that, that you're part of doing, um, Owen. Um, what, what would you say are the most sort of challenging parts of living in a fostering family? It's not much challenging. It's just the part when they start snapping at my mum. I just don't like disrespect towards my own family when I give them such a great thing. Yeah. And what's what's the best thing to do when, when situations go like that? Uh, get out on my bike, get out on my surfboard. Cause it's just it's a common thing. I usually go around the back roads on my bike. People do come and talk to us, don't they? Yeah. And I would imagine that your mum is very well equipped to deal, and she's got special training and uh, experience herself that to be able to manage all the situations that might arise. Um, we did have a tricky situation, didn't we? Where um, we had a young man that. Um, suffered from lots and lots of different um, things, including mental illness and uh, a bit of psychotic behaviours. Um, and unfortunately, he did actually um, physically attack me, which was a big one for you, wasn't it? Um, but we took time out and we all regrouped and we talked about how we felt, how it had been. You was quite scared for Bob, wasn't you? Yeah. Um, and I did say to him because he was the only one around at the time but I did ask him to step away and let me deal because I could handle it but obviously Owen's my son and he was worried for his mum you know so that was a bit hard wasn't it yeah um, but we came through it mm -hmm. and uh, six months later I said are we going to go again and everybody was on board to go again so yeah but I think mm -hmm. we just needed to take that time as a family Mm -hmm. to regroup and pull together, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes the ending of a placement can be a very positive thing for a person because it means that perhaps they'll move to another placement where they'll receive the, the care and support that's, that, they, that, they, that they really need, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, with issues like mental health, it can be very difficult, particularly with children. Yeah. What would you say, Owen's the best bits for you? I'd say the best bits is, like, when you see them, when like they're happy, they try new things, and they actually like that. So, say if I was to take someone out, like a foster brother or something like that, 
and uh, take them out to try and do something new and they enjoyed it, I'd do that more of them. And it's kind of nice to see that you can get more people who haven't done that before to do it. Nice. So it's it's nice sort of giving them new experiences and new opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So you get all kinds of young people coming to stay with you and all kinds of characters. How, ma- how many young people have you had? Do you, can you, do you know? Oh, gosh, I've got a count. Counting on their fingers here, both of them. <laughs> Sorry. Owen's lost count. <laughs> right, I think we've had five or six placements. Um, we've done support work. We've done respite, and I've not counted them in, obviously. Okay, uh, we've done respite, support, and yeah. I mean, like I said, our current placements, we've had one two years, and the other one a year and a half. Wonderful, that's really so, nice stability there for yes. them. Fantastic. Um, so was fostering anything like you thought it was going to be? For me, yes. How about you? No. No. What no. did you expect? Well, like, you see them sometimes come here with nothing you thought. I thought they'd come here with quite a lot, but it's quite shocking to see that some children who are in need of care don't actually have anything. Hmm. That's a nice thing for you to notice. Mm. Those little things, yeah. Mm. One bag, or when you look at the amount of stuff you probably have in your room. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most that come here, well, we had one that had some things because of the previous home that they were in. But um, most of them come here with literally a, a rucksack and a pair of clothes. And I often think, and you maybe wondered this as well, when being into biking, um, some of these kids don't have their own bike, do they? No. Most of them have never even been ridden one. Yeah. <laughs> So some of those very basic things that you just you just assume, but if you're not in a stable placement, you might not be taught to swim or bike or read or write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had all yeah. those. Yeah. Um, and do you get the kids out of their bike and the bikes if you can? Uh yeah, I try to, but some just like don't enjoy it. Some would rather like go on video games and stuff. Yeah. And are you near you near the beach here? Yeah. Lots of beaches. Lots of beaches and good surfing. Yeah. I mean, I bet that's the first for lots of young people, is it? Surfing? Uh, we had one, didn't we? Before I could even surf. We've had a few that have tried surfing. Yeah. Um, but um, the ones we've got at the minute, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're either into it or they're not, or they try it and it's like, no, it's not for me. So. Yeah. But that must be lovely, taking young people to the beach, maybe, who've not perhaps been to the beach very often. Or Yeah. So, Julie, how do you manage to share your time between... So, you've got three young people in the house? Three teenagers. Three teenagers, <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a bit busy sometimes. Um, it's not hard. I mean, initially, when children turn up and you don't know each other, you've got, like, um, a period of everybody finding out about each other and trying to settle in a bit and everybody's little annoyances they get used to or the you know the it's you can't just throw strangers in and not expect any fallout there is a fallout and yeah sometimes it can be a fallout literally as in they won't they'll annoy each other um but it it in time 
that drops off and they get to know each other and then they start settling into a routine. Um, as for time myself, Owen is quite grown up and quite self-sufficient. He does know I'm here for him no matter what, if ever he needed me. Um, but he's quite mature. But I don't seem to have a problem. They're pretty, pretty good. I think initially you need to plough a lot of time in and that is definite with every child because they need to know where they are, who you are and all the rest of it and they need to know the routines and the way we live. And it's a big change for every child to go into a different family because every family has different rules. Um, yes, we have certain rules that we have to live by with being foster parents. There's rules and regulations around that. But as a family ourselves, we have our own little tweaks as well. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's a balancing act at the beginning when the first placement comes in. But they're settling. They're settling, given time. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just having patience and empathy and starting every day anew. Mm -hmm. Because there is wobbles. There is uh, upset. There is anger. Uh, there's happy times. But at the same time... If you carry things over, say you had a wobble the day before with one of the children and they were upset or they were angry or they've done something to annoy you or anything like that, if you keep that in your mind and take it every single day and carry it over, you're going to end up in a bad way. You need to start every day with a clean slate, no matter what they've done, let it go and just move on. Because if you don't, you're going to end up in a bit of a mess. Yeah, people need um, to see a way out. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say to anybody coming into this that you really, really need, even if you don't think you need it, even if you think, you know, you know, you, I mean, I've got a lot of experience from both sides, but at the same time, take the training, take any advice you can get, try the participation with the carers because it's great to see things from a different person's angle because there'll always be someone that says something and you'll think oh actually yeah that's a good idea I'll try that um, and anything that's offered I would say grab it with both hands because you never know enough you never know too much and it can only help. How has it been as you've grown older would you say it became easier the older you've got? Uh, yeah, just because I'm more used to, like, what she said, there's, like, wobbles and everything. That happens all the time. It happens at least, what, twice a month or, well, twice every three months or something like that. But you get used to it over time and it's, like, for those who are um, sons and daughters of people who are fostering, it's it just they'll probably agree with me that it gets easier over time so easier over time or easier as you get older do you think the more mature you get probably yeah a bit of both yeah because both. as like depends how long your parents are fostering you're going to get older anyway but you mature over time and you get used to things so it's just normal and what would you, can you look at your role in a, you know, the life of a child that's being fostered and see what you, you know, what would you say that you get from it yourself? What are you learning from it? That there's always something worse than what's happened to you because 
I'm fortunate. I, I can definitely say I'm fortunate. I've got parents who love me. I've got siblings. I've got a nice house and food on the table for me every day and clean clothes to go into. And some people don't even have clothes or shelter. So it's quite, it's quite scary to say that. So it sounds like it helps you to appreciate what you have and not take for granted the sort of... Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't take anything for granted. Julie, what would you say? Julie, what would you say brings you the most joy out of your role as a foster carer? Wow. Um, seeing the children progress. Seeing how happy they can be once they trust you. Gaining their trust is massive. And... I've managed to do that with most of my placements, um, but it is a big one. It's not something they give freely, and it is something that takes time and care and patience, a lot of patience. Just seeing the little worlds change, from the children you get that walk through your door and being able to foster longer, you see more, and you see how far they come, and for them to say that they're happy, I've got one here at the minute that tells me he's not leaving me till he's 30, at least. <laughs> oh, that's a credit to you. <laughs> um, just seeing the change in them and seeing the little faces. And like Owen said, all the new experiences, things that they've not had, it's amazing. There is times, however, that children need to regress. They've missed so much in their little lives that even basic things... Like, I don't know, things that a two, three-year-old do, would do. You'll find that children at 14, 15 want to do it. They want to join in. They want to do that. I mean, I've got grandchildren. and But sometimes for children, they need to go back there without anybody judging them or laughing at them or ridiculing them and say, right, okay, if this is what you want to do, you do it. You're in a safe environment. There's no one here that's going to judge you. And... Actually, that helps them to go forward. Going back and doing what they missed helps them to go forward and catch up to where they go to. Yeah. And it's just that. Just mm -hmm. the growth in them, the personalities, the confidence, because hardly any of them have confidence and self-worth. I think they need self-worth. And when you see a child and you know that they've actually got that, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It really is. And what would you say, Owen, what would you say brings you the most joy? Literally the same as mum. Um, just seeing, like, some people that you get, they don't even know that that existed or whatever. And you can just, like, give, them, give it to them just like that. And then they'll be so happy. And it's like giving them new hobbies, new chances in life to improve and bring joy to others. Mm-hmm. Lovely, yeah. This is a very privileged position I'm in uh, to be a part of these children's lives and to see these children grow and come forward. But also that it's not all roses. There are times where you even question yourself as to whether you're the right person for a child. And I would say that there is a little part of me that says you know what, you're not going to gel with every child. You won't 
you know, you, you're not going to be the saviour of every child. Not every child wants your attention, not every child wants your care. And they certainly don't want to be here when they walk through that door the first day they get here. You know, they've been torn away from their families and they're not going to be happy about that. So I think anybody coming into this needs to be realistic. They need to have their eyes open. But they also need to know that, you know, for the bad times, the good times outweigh them. They really do. And these children that leave here, and knowing from my own personal experience, you take things that you don't think about for a lot of years, and then all of a sudden you can look back and you can think, actually, yeah. And you remember things, and you take those experiences, and they help mould you as a person um, for your future. And I think if any child that I've had, which <laughs> I know they have because I've got children already who stay in contact with me, take anything from their experience with us, then I've done a good job. Mm-hmm. And Owen, would you have any advice to give to a family, perhaps, who are thinking about fostering? Any advice to give to the sons and daughters? I would say uh, to the parents or just families that you should go for it because you're doing the right thing by helping others who are in need and desperation. And to those who are sons and daughters, that just be there for the one who is in need and just be their friend, be there for them, show them new things, show them new hobbies, and just make sure that they're okay and settled properly. Yeah, nice. And Julie, if you had a magic wand for your young people in the system, like what would that be? It's impossible, isn't it? I'd like for all the children that come through the care system to not feel that there's a stigma attached to them being in care, and to be able to have self-worth and belief in themselves mm-hmm. and I would like to give every child that nice well I wish I had a magic wand um, <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well it was really lovely to talk to you both thank you very much for talking to us um, and I will hope to see you soon sometime when I get invited back down to sunny Cornwall again hopefully <laughs> thank you Thank you for listening. Care to Listen has been created by a democratic group of children and young people from within the Five Rivers fostering family. Our aim is to elevate the voices of people who have care or lived experience, to challenge stereotyping, to fight for better rights, equality, understanding and to celebrate all of our uniqueness. Thank you for listening. For more information, contact us on participation at five-rivers.org. Music by Rick Flow, track Hide and Seek, courtesy of Rick Flow. <laughs>